Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Sunday edition. It's been a few weeks for myself and Bryn. Bryn, hey, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing wonderful. Uh, welcome back to Sunday edition, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it definitely feels uh, a little bit strange. Um, And I'm wondering if it feels a little strange to you. Maybe you didn't hit that original sound option on the oh. Zoom room because, mm, yeah. Mm, yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So did you guys hear none of the music or just uh, the talky parts? We just heard the talky parts. Yeah. Well, it, you're like a natural. You must have like just memorized exactly the number of minutes and seconds that your <laughs> opening is because you hit it right on the head. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How have you been, Bryn? Did you enjoy your time off? I really did. Uh, it was much needed. Um, I did a lot of resting. I did a lot of hanging out with friends and, and doing activities that I normally don't get to do on Sundays. Um, there's a, a board game group. Uh, here in Minneapolis that that meets on Sundays and um, I haven't gotten a chance to to meet with them um, because the conflict in schedule but uh, I got to a couple of times so that was cool uh, and I also went on a hike um, you ever heard of a place called Minnehaha Falls here in Minnesota I got to go walk around there and check that out on a nice Sunday afternoon believe it or not I read a cozy mystery that was set in Minnehaha Wow. So, yes. Cool. That's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. And we had some adventures during convention that we'll probably end up speaking about on this show at some point, including jumping out of a plane together. A perfectly good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, one of our newest friends is joining us next week here on Sunday Edition. We have the world's exclusive with the president of the World Blind Union, Martine Abel Williams, next week right here on Sunday Edition. So mark your calendars and bring your questions. Um, what do you have going on on the fun zone tonight? Um, I don't have a plan. Um, I, I've been utterly consumed with my soda stream that I just bought and uh, just, just making carbonated water all day, all day. Just <laughs> nothing but carbonated water, nothing but fizz. And I just don't have time to think about what songs I should play on my show. <laughs> what is the oddest flavor or combination that you've come up with so far? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I, I don't like the Pepsi Max uh, syrup. I, I thought I would like it. I thought, oh, great, a, a cheaper alternative to pop. And um, actually, the soda flavor is the worst one. Uh, everything else is great. So th this might be what gets me off of the colas. I have not had the opportunity to try it yet, but I have a cousin in Virginia who is making pickle pop. Oh, um, and God. says it's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, to each his or her own. <clears throat> 
But let's uh, dive into today's show. Before I introduce um, Kenneth, I'm just going to remind folks that if you'd like your uh, announcements on Sunday edition, please send them to me by um, Saturday morning, the day before you'd like the show, just so we have a time to kind of look it over and be familiar with it. You can send it to Sunday edition AC at gmail.com that's sunday edition with my initials anthony corona at gmail.com and we'll get your announcements on the beginning of sunday edition now someone else who has been on sunday edition quite a few times and a few times in the last couple of weeks welcome back kenneth kenneth simeon hello anthony i'm glad to be here uh especially today uh with our recipients from the class of 2023 First-timers, DKM first-timers, and ACB JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get the basics out of the way. How's the weather down there? Is it as hot as I think it is? It is hot, yes. <laughs> but thank God for air conditioning. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, so you've been on Sunday Edition a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. Thank you so much for adding your expertise to those great conversations. Oh, you're welcome. So let's um let's catch up on the mentoring program. I hear that it has a new ideation and maybe a, a an addition to the name this year. Yes, uh, we actually changed the actual name to Inspire, and those letters are all in caps: I N S P I R E. And we want to be sure that our guides uh, who are selected to work with our explorers really work to inspire uh, those uh, oh, those who participate in the program to succeed on, on with any goal that they set. And uh, and as a mentoring team, we will work with them to do the same thing, to make sure that th- things are moving forward in a positive way. Uh, the acronyms for inspire, inspire are imagine, nurture, support, prepare, influence, reflect, and evolve. And all of those words will be broken down mm-hmm. in some way through the program to make that they are are being included in everything that the uh, Guide Explorer team does together. That's awesome. I know a few of the uh, guides and a few of the explorers from this past year and all said it was a great experience to be a part of. Um, what did you learn this year that you're applying to, insp- uh, you know, what have you learned this year that you're ex- applying to inspire? Well, our, our nine month pilot program went well, and we are still want to make sure everybody knows that we will still be providing mentorship, access and peer support. Uh, that's that's what we used to, to begin the program with. And everybody started out using the uh, acronyms MAPS. Uh, but those components are still involved with our program, and we just are taking them to the next level. And we want to inspire this time from the and difference from the last time. We are focusing on a, a new program objective, which is more defined and straight to the point. Uh, so uh, we've learned a lot uh, from last year uh, how to do better and working with uh, individuals. Um, and teams to make things work better for their uh, toward their success uh, with, with any goal that they set. And we want them to really strive to learn more about ACB and uh, all of its affiliates and start thinking about where they can serve either in, in their local chapter, uh, state level, special interest 
special interest affiliate level or even the ACB level serving on a committee. Uh, and we want to encourage everybody, our newer members, to really think about uh, applying for the program as long as you've been a member for at least two years and uh, really think about where you want to go in your future and how you want to contribute to ACB to make things better for on all levels. And uh, so we, this program is going to help you prepare uh, those who want to move forward. And we had some uh, pretty good testimonials that came out of this pilot program that we had. Where people talked about how they learned a lot about about themselves throughout through the process. Some teams learned that, hey, a guy had said, uh, I, I learned a lot from my uh, explorer. You know, and so that's what it's supposed to be like. It's an exchange of information and uh, things that you can help one another along the way, even in, in your personal lives through conversation. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot that happened last year and within a nine month period. And we're looking forward to moving forward with this new platform. So you mentioned two years, and I saw five years in the initial announcement that went out. So can you uh, give a brief uh, explanation of what the guidelines are this year and tell folks how to apply. Yeah, well, I won't remember all the guidelines, so but I'll <laughs> tell you the main things, okay? Uh, you, you said five years, but actually for a guide, we're asking them to be at least be a member within ACB uh, at least seven years. And the explorers, if you uh, want to apply to be a mentee, which we also, we just named, use a, a word explorer, uh, then you must be a, have been a member at least two years. And we did that for a reason. Because of what we're focusing on now, we wanted our uh, guys to be sure that they've been a member for a while and they can actually teach uh, those people about things that they've learned through their ACB experience on all levels. And uh, we, I think that's going to be a we think that's going to be a greater way to make sure that those uh, explorers get what they need. And uh, since this program is more focused now within the organization, uh, some people that may have been a good mentor uh, to others in different ways, uh, this will have to identify another component for to meet, meet uh, everybody else else's personal uh, goals and aspirations. Uh, but right now we're trying to focus on building leaders for the future. It's so important that we continue to have someone to step up in these upcoming elections and also, we hope that in the future, we have contested races where there's not just one person uh, and just becomes ac uh, elected by acclamation. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have that happen, but we really, uh, years ago, ACB had competitive races where we had the best candidate uh, possible to get that position. And I think our members appreciated that. And that's what our goal is to help to build uh, leaders for the future. And uh, so the main thing about the uh, criteria this year, we were more specific in the years that you had to be a member. Uh, there are some specific things you have to agree to. Uh, we have to be a member uh, in good standing and having your dues paid for this current year to be a part of the program. Uh, you must agree to, like our explorers, mm -hmm. they must have, oh, somebody's sleepy. Um, uh, uh, our explorers has to be prepared and dedicated to uh, being active in the program. Sometimes uh, in our pilot program, we didn't witness that. Uh, in some some ways, we didn't witness all the, the dedication. So this program is so uh, more directed toward helping you to succeed in the future. We want you to really be engaged in the process. So uh, we'll be 
these have been posted out. I'll tell you more about them. But right now, the main things I wanted you to know is on, on both sides, whether you're going to be, you want to be uh, applying for uh, a guides position or an explorer, uh, those guidelines are are out there right at the above before you begin your application, you'll be able to read the criteria. It's on our ACB website. And also, um, if anybody just wanted to listen to it from the phone, their home phone line, they can all, also dial ACB's main number, 202-467-5081, and uh, dial, uh, you'll listen to the menu, and you can listen to all about the program on Washington Connection. Uh, this and that'll be there for at least a while. It's been there since July 25th. But there's so many ways that uh, we can get you more information. But I ask everybody to visit acb.org um, and find those links to click on uh, the application. It's a Google form, and we hope we found it to be pretty easy to complete. But once it's completed, uh, you click on submit. And before you click on submit, you have to agree that you would abide by the, the criteria and the program guidelines. And that's a, a way to make sure that we get people to really think about whether they really want to participate this time or, or they maybe uh, wanted to wait till another time. We need people to really think about committing. Can you commit to a nine-month program and, uh, and participate effectively by having at least two meetings a month with your guide if you're an explorer? And our guides uh, must be willing to meet with their explorers for uh, at least twice a month. And there'll be other group activities throughout the year, as we did this past time. And I think we've gotten some, uh, made some good connections that we can uh, include some leaders to help us out uh, in making sure that the program moves forward in a positive way. That's awesome. So let's switch our focus to the primary topic that we're here for today. We're going to talk to DKM and JP Morgan Chase, fellow um, recipients for this past year. Um, who did you bring from the committee with you? Uh, Anthony, our committee has, uh, I'm hoping Anthony's here. Anthony, are you here with us? Aloha, I'm here, Kenneth. Ah, great, welcome great. all the way from Hawaii. Welcome back, Anthony. So Anthony is a member of our committee, but he also was a part of the pilot program for our mentoring uh, program uh, we named MAPS in the beginning. Uh, and Zelda Gebhardt, our vice chair, could not be here. Uh, today, but she was invited. And so I'm hoping that some of our other uh, committee members and uh, friends are joining in by listening in on ACB Media or either joining in on Zoom. So Anthony, before we start talking to these lovely folks, um, anything you want to add about uh, anyone who is applying for the the Inspire version of MAPS? <laughs> Anthony, did we lose you? No, you didn't. I... I... Thought you were talking to a different Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I really think it's a great program, and like what Kenneth was sharing, that if you are willing to commit to the time and effort, I mean, uh, with anything, whatever amount of effort that you put in, I really believe that you will get out. Um, much more than you um, expected. I mean, for myself, I really, truly um, liked the program. I appreciated my mentor. My my guide was totally awesome, and um, he definitely um, create 
great relationships and develop in many ways. So I really would encourage others to, you know, consider the program. Anthony, Anthony, share a little bit about what you and your guy did and are still about to do. Mm. So one one of the things that we've done is that we totally got excited about the program and looking at ways of um, um, we were wanted to look at educational resources or um, we, we got into um, book reading. Um, so we decided to um, embark on Who Move My Cheese? And um, we did um, a session on active listening. And this coming Sunday at, oh my gosh. Saturday or Sunday? (laughs) Sunday. I have to take a look. Oh, the 12th. Actually, it's the 12th. It was the last time was, yeah. (laughs) We're doing it on uh, active listening part two. So, and, and that's going to be on ACB community. It's yes. going to be on ACB community as well as um, Clubhouse okay. and Zoom. So, definitely going to be a good one. And there's going to be opportunity to um, um, audience participation. So, going to be a really good one. So, are both but, you and your guide facilitating that? Yes, that's we awesome. Are, we we've gotten to the point that we enjoy each other, and um, we've we said, yeah, I, I think that's a good um topic, and it was a well attended to- topic that we decided let's go for it a second time. Awesome. So it, it definitely is a great opportunity to, you know, not only share and not only learn but to um be sponges and to um squeeze out and pour out to others and to help equip that's great i i had to read who moved my cheese when i was in college any any other books that stood out to you in uh in this process that you'd recommend to our listeners well um one of the things that i i always enjoy um, reading Del Carnegie or um, a lot of um, John Maxwell, um, but definitely there's it was quite interesting. Um, the Who Moved My Cheese actually had a sequel to that, and that was actually kind of interesting. It, it talked about different other aspects, but it's really um reading developing a daily personal growth habit a weekly growth habit is so important and you know not not only to develop your mind but your personal and you know your social areas and you know that is so important and it keeps you constantly reflecting on your skills and and you know missed opportunities and things like that as well So let's turn back to Kenneth. Now, I remember just about a year ago, we were having a similar conversation 
and you had spoken about the direction of the committee. Um, any movement in that that you want to share with us? No, uh, really, we thought that uh, this year I would step down as chair and I would find a vice chair like last year. Zelda did accept the position of vice chair, but she doesn't want to lead the committee. So, but uh, she she's done so much to help the committee. Uh, we uh, asked Dan to give her uh, that that title, and so we're, we're considering. Uh, another alternative right now, I've already spoken to someone that's on the committee that may want to step up in, in some way. And so we're, we're constantly, constantly building uh, uh, our succession planning. Uh, we did some good things this year that we had never done before that's really working. So uh, they're getting uh, engaged to know how, how everything works. So the team can, we just work together as a team. So I'm going to be hanging in there uh, another year, it appears. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see what happens as we move forward. But we're constantly trying to identify uh, some members who really want to learn about what our goals are on uh, the DCAM committee and really join in and help us out. We need some seriously committed people to join in if uh, anyone wants to uh, let uh, President Deb Cook-Lewis know that they're interested. But we need people to be committed. And uh, one thing I like about our former presidents and the current president will allow me as chair to talk to anyone before we'll get them appointed to find out whether they can really agree to it, the work that's at hand. And that we we just have some things we have to make sure people understand uh, because some people really seem like it's excited for them to join the committee, but they're just excited about being on it. Uh, that's not a good thing. We need some people that are going to really uh, desire to work and help the program to grow. Absolutely. All right, so why don't we start introducing the um, the recipients of this year's DKM First Timer Award? Okay, uh, let's talk to Janae Miller from Columbus, Ohio. Janae, you might have to hit that got it button. Please unmute, say hello, and um, maybe even sing hello with that beautiful singing voice of yours, Janae. We are recording, so you might have to hit the got it button. All right, Kenneth, let's go with okay. um, our, with our other one. Okay, our DCAM first timer from the West is Hema Sinaceros, and she's with us today. Hello, Hema. Hi, everybody. Hema Sinaceros here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. So tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, and what the process was like for you um, from, you know, the application through getting into and 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 participating in convention at convention um i am from el paso and i'm the secretary of my local chapter i've been there for almost two years and then this is no i'm, I'm in three years and this is my second year serving as a secretary it's been a very rewarding experience especially because i lost my eyesight like six years ago and when that happened i couldn't believe i would i wouldn't imagine everything that has happened in my life in these years i started services with the state in 2019 and it was amazing for me to receive the services and being able to learn and do my normal life because when i lost my eyesight i thought that my life that my life was over yeah so it's I went through a really, really bad depression. I was 33 years and I had my children, three children. I went from driving to not driving in two weeks. 
So you could imagine, but after all of these opportunities, and when I joined my local chapter, Paso Council of the Blind, and being able to join them and see that there's other people going through the same situation, wanting to live and wanting to succeed and, and with dreams and goals and everything. Uh, I joined as a secretary. I've been helping as much as I can. Then the former, former president, uh, a few months ago, she told me about this opportunity. And I thought to myself, okay, um, because I love Miss Eleanor very much. I'm going to listen to her. I must submit me applica my application, but I know I'm not going to get it because there's better prepared people, people with more experience than me. And surpri surprisingly, thank God, I, I got it. And going to the convention by myself. I mean, if I was with my little guide dog. Um, <laughs> it was an experience. Uh, I, I had her for three months now. Uh, it was amazing. All the oh. people going through the same situation. And like I said, the movement that ACB is doing to, <clears throat> excuse me, to help the blind community and to create a more inclusive um, um, country. And it's just amazing. I have no words to explain everything and to express my feelings, but it's um, getting to meet you all over there is, is incredible. 2019 was my first in-person convention and, and I had um, lost my eyesight not not long before then. I remember that feeling of, of being in the hotel lobby and hearing so many blind folks Yes. And and competently getting around and talking like there was, you know, nothing different about, you, you know, up to that point for me, every time I left my house, it was like, is everybody staring at me? You know, am I, do I look silly with it first with the cane and then with the dog, et cetera? What, um, what do you remember about, you know, getting there and, and, and what were your first impressions about being with so many blind people in one space? Um. Like you said, it, the, the noises and the sound. My very first experience was uh, I had an Uber driver who is Chinese. So he helped me uh, get into, he put my luggage at the door of the that huge hotel. And then I, I told him, could you please help me get to the desk? And he said, Chinese, Chinese. And he oh. left. <laughs> so my so my first uh experience was and and I was like what do I do now, but thank God I had a a person who helped me get there. It was on the second floor, and just listening to all those people getting to the registration desk, who are going through the same thing I'm going and who are excited like I was to experience the convention. The convention, it was amazing very amazing and yes of course i got lost the first <laughs> day i got lost i couldn't get to my room like in 45 minutes and but it's always an experience now i laugh and and i don't know i just remember and laugh and i can't wait to go to another one <laughs> what are your two or three top memories from from convention <clears throat> one of them is my guide dog, I only had her for three months, two and a half months then. And she was not used to it. And she was having a lot of accidents. 
And I was super stressed and I had anxiety because she was having accidents mm -hmm. in the hotel. Um, but thank God one one instructor from Guiding Eyes was there. She helped me get the issue fixed. Uh, experience the vo uh, voting process. That was so good for me also. And Mr. Kenneth, Mr. Kenneth and Anthony, they were always uh, offering their help. Yeah. They were very kind to me. And I think those are the main ones. And every, of course, everything I learned. So is there anything that you'll take back to your secretary position, your local and, and state chapters um, that, you know, being part of this has changed your view or have you learned anything that you're going to take back? Uh, I have a lot of flyers from the exhibit hall to, <laughs> I mean, of uh, services and companies that would really benefit people here in El Paso. Because, you know, the the main cities of the states, the capitals, they're, they're very accessible, most of them. But here in El Paso, we're getting there. We're working and we're getting there. Definitely, um, they could, could benefit from that. And all the organization and the passion that everybody in charge of the organization put into it. I mean, it showed the passion that they have, the love for what they have. And, um Everything they do, I I have it in my heart, and I take it with me, and hopefully I can do more. One day I can do more for my chapter and for the the whole United States. Who knows? <laughs> well, this is a great first start. Stick around. Hopefully, we can speak a little bit more, and maybe there'll be a question or two for you, Janae. Well, were you... I'm here. <clears throat> I couldn't get off mute, so I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, too. So I got to know you a little bit at convention. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. But for folks who did not have the opportunity to meet or get to know you, tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, and tell us about your experience. Well, I'm a Columbus, Ohio native. I um, am currently the chapter president for the Columbus, Ohio uh, chapter of ACB, which is the largest in the state. Um, I've, I've been a part of ACB. Um, I started off in college and, and, and was uh, actively uh, participating in ACB as a college student. And I, I left for some various reasons. And I've been back now for almost two years, maybe maybe exactly two years. And, and since I've gotten back, I've, I've been active and kind of been thrown into a few things that I'm taking on with um, great pride. And I'm, I'm happy to be back uh, with ACB. I kind of wish I had had the, the experience I had now back then when I was in college. I probably wouldn't have left ACB for 20 years. Um, but I'm also active, not just in ACB, but um I'm active in a few other organizations within the city that are also non-for-profits that do things in the community that are disability inclusion related um, as well. Well, we're glad you decided to uh, come back and give us another shot. Um, <clears throat> what were some of the convention standouts for you other than that amazing vocal performance you gave during the showcase? Oh, well, thank you about, uh, thank you regarding the uh, showcase, but for me, the highlight was meeting the people. Kenneth um, 
and Cheryl Cummings, Kenneth Simeon and Cheryl Cummings both made sure that I got to got connected to some wonderful people uh, like Lisa Sled and uh, Sarah Freeman Smith. Uh, Lisa's from Michigan and Sarah's from Texas. And just being able to meet those connections and be able to meet uh, Mitch Pomeran and his wife and to talk to Dan Spoon and his wife and just those people connections. Because again, depending on where you are and what resources are, resources are available to you in your city, you sometimes can feel like you're by yourself in your journey of being blind or vision impaired. And so when you find people that, like Emma said, are going through the same thing, and but are excited about their life and are still, you know, meeting each challenge head on, it, it makes life a lot uh, better and, and less depressing. So I think you're you're in a unique position within the American Council of the Blind Community at that a lot of people, you know, come in, they get gung ho and life happens, whether it be schoolwork you know, caring for loved ones, the beautiful pregnancies and childhoods. And, oh, you know, so to some someone out there who may be listening, who came back to the organization and thinking, oh, you know, I've been around before, they wouldn't pick me. Talk to talk a little bit about the process of actually applying and, and what it means for you as a person and you as your, you know, in your leadership journey. Well, let me go back and share a few things to kind of bring some context to what I'm going to say. So when I got involved in ACB, and I, I was listening to Kenneth earlier talking about the Inspire Mentoring Program, and I agree that there should be some more, um, I guess you could say, competition, so to speak, when it comes mm -hmm. to elections, because I don't recall when I got elected to be president of my chapter that there was anybody vying for the position other than me. And when I was asked, I kind of just said, yeah, I'll, I'll accept the nomination because I didn't think I would get it either. <laughs> and so when I got it, um, you know, it, 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 it was it was so after I got it, our, our president um, uh, for the state of Ohio, Katie Frederick, she, you know, said, now that you're here and you're you're off to a good start, you might want to consider going to the D.C. leadership because I was already involved last year with the legislative committee for the state of Ohio calling and being on the committee, having calls with our legislative leaders across the state about our legislative imperatives. So because of that, um, I was advised to go to the D.C. leadership conference, which I did and had a great time. And that's where I met Kenneth. And, you know, after that, then I was encouraged to apply for one of the leadership scholarships. I applied for both. Um, and I was, again, I was surprised that I got the DKM one again. I didn't think I'd get it because I figured I'm, you know, a returning member to ACB. And I've, I've had some, I, I have some leadership skills from college, but I didn't know if those were still there as a, 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 an adult compared to a college kid. And so, you know, when I applied um, and got my president to submit her recommendation that I should be considered for this award and had the interview. And when I got it, I, I didn't I, I was just kind of just shocked, like, OK, wow, I'm going to the convention. Never, never have been to a national convention. It was it was just I can't even explain the world when I didn't actually want to leave. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I can definitely see what Katie sees in you. I you were a standout um, during the D.C. legislative sessions, um, especially the brainstorming um, sessions. So I definitely can understand why she encouraged you on that. Um, 
talking about, you know, coming to a convention, were you able to participate virtually in last year's convention? I, I think I did, but I don't, I did, you know, because it was virtual, um, I didn't understand all what going to a convention means. That's where I was going. The last time I went to a convention was the state convention way back in college. I went to Ohio State Convention, which is coming up here in November. And that's the last time I went to anything that was like a convention and going to uh, do the virtual one. I think I kind of came in for one. I wasn't in every session. I was kind of, I came in late just to the general sessions and just listening to those and not understanding the process. Mm -hmm. At the time I was just a member of my local chapter, not a president. It 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 was a lot of context that I I kind of felt was missing, but I I have more understanding of it now. Um, but it was new, very very new for me. But I learned so much. Um, so for especially for people that want to help their local and <clears throat> local and state chapters grow and find new membership and find new outreach and programs, what do you think the benefit of going to a convention in person is? Well, for one, you learn more about rules. You know, a lot of times in the organization, you want to learn what the, when I say rules, I mean in the structure, how things are done in a professional and proper fashion. Um, you want to see if the organization is organized, if they're, if they're chaotic or not, do they have their stuff together? Um, and just learning those those parliamentary Robert's rules of order type things and, and seeing those in real time, you can read them. But until you're actually doing something that 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 puts those into practice, that's a whole nother thing. And so to to see that, that was probably the the biggest thing um, um, that I learned, as well as being that because I was a DKM uh, leadership, you know, you know, fellow first timer, going to some of these sessions that had to do with advocacy and just looking at how things are going in other places around the country that relate to issues that affect the blind and visually impaired community or the disability community as a whole and the partnerships we should be looking at in some respects, not in all, but in some respects to certain issues was very eye-opening to, to even see where your state is in their uh, disability inclusion efforts, if they have any, and where you could be an asset to come back home and, and be a part of any advisory committees or councils, or even voice your opinion and say, this is what we need because me as a, a citizen of this city or of this state with a uh, disability and it's being blind, you're leaving out these things, you're, you're encompassing these things over here for people with disabilities in general, but you're also leaving out these things for this sector of the disability population. And being able to, you know, being able to learn that and take that back home is very crucial to your advocacy and your leadership work. I, I love hearing all that. So it, it also sounds that like you are very invested in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, do you have any, do you have any things that you're bringing back to Ohio and do you have any advice or tips for the organization as a whole on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, you know, I, 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 I have, I have a few thoughts. Well, one is, you know, when you look at diversity, equity, inclusion, so much of it has gotten lost in some other things that are not taking into account historically what it started off to be and that's a whole long other conversation but i i i do want to say on the on the fact of disability 
you know, I, I was in a program before a convention called uh, LEND, which stands for Leadership, Education, Neuroscience, and Developmental and Other Related Disabilities. It's, a, it's an interdisciplinary program. And the whole mm. point of it is designed to put in a classroom setting students who are in their last two years or last year of medical school, whether it's for um, nurse practitioner or psychology or social work or any of those method, medical type disciplines in a room with uh, people who are what they call family advocates. Those are parents of kids with uh, yeah. developmental disabilities or self-advocates, which is someone like me, someone who has a lot of lived experience. And what I have found by being in programs like that and looking at what ACB is fighting for is that, you know, based on where the money is, which I, I, I have a whole thought on that, certain disabilities get certain, you know, things handed to them, so to speak, just like when it comes to race and gender. And, and, and I feel like money or not, just being able, if we're, if we're talking about equity, if we're talking about equality, either or, there are two different things, you got to make sure that we're in the best way possible, everybody is being um, given, you know, resources to information or even a shot. Because when I was in this program, I spent probably the first semester, it's a one-year academic program, and, and it's on a graduate level. I spent one, one semester just trying to get them to give me material in an accessible format so I can even mm. participate in class. Mm. Granted, they've had people in the program who were visually impaired, maybe low vision or hearing impaired, maybe not with a significant hearing loss, because I'm also hearing impaired. I, I wear a hearing aid in both ears. So I'm a part of the deaf blind community as well. And to point out to them things like you need to have a microphone, the microphone needs to be turned on and turned up. Uh, you need to have things in accessible format, not just the PDFs that are not readable by a screen reader. Yeah. And really trying to explain to them what that looks like. Um, was was eye opening to what is needed and missing out there, and you know, at, and, and you know, now that I'm older, I'm not a college kid. As a college kid, um, just for some more context, I was not born blind. I was born with rubella, and so um, I uh, I was always considered low vision. I wore glasses until I was in high school. Um, I wore a hearing aid in my left ear up until I got into my thirties, um, but. Going through college, um, I was losing my eyesight from the age 11 until age 22 for the next 10 years. My sight got worse each year. So now that I'm older and I've been through a few things, I have a lot more to say than I did as a college student involved in the ACB chapter at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. Now I've seen some things. I'm like, okay, now I understand these things. And so because of certain things, um, I'm, I, I can see in a lot of ways we are fighting some uphill battles that we shouldn't have to fight. And you would think at this stage in our history, we shouldn't have to fight, but we're fighting. And so I'm here to fight screaming harder if I have to. Well, you have an open invitation to Sunday edition. I have a feeling you'll be back here often, if not on the other, um, the other ACP media shows. Stick around. Hopefully there'll be some questions for you. Kenneth, step back on up to the podium. Let's start to get to know our J.P. Morgan Chase fellows. Okay, with our leadership fellows, we'd like to begin with Liz Botner from Washington, D.C. Hi, Liz. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Good 
morning, good afternoon, <laughs> and evening to you as well. So same question. Tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, and uh, your journey to J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. I am from Washington, D.C., not originally, but currently. I um, I currently, as of three months ago, um, well, previously I was a blind, my background was in blind rehabilitation as well. My educational as well as professional background was in blind rehabilitation. Also, I had some digital accessibility experience. And as of three months ago, I have the honor and privilege of working as the assistive technology specialist for the National Library Service at the Library of Congress. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. It is truly an honor and a privilege. And that position is bigger than me. That position is about every single one of us who are patrons of NLS and what we might want the future of that program to look like. I truly, truly mean that. Uh, also within ACB, I am a relatively new member. Uh, this actually was my second convention. My first though, where I really was kind of involved in things that I could have an idea of what things were and take away experiences from to help me with my personal and professional leadership growth. Um, but in, within ACB, I am the, and I will probably forget a hat that I have, and oh well, um, I am the current vice president of the government employees affiliate. I also this year served as their delegate, which that was awesome to be on the convention floor and doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I am on the board of directors for Guide Dog Users Incorporated. I'm also a member of the ACB of Maryland. I also serve on the Pedestrian Environmental Access Committee and on the Audio Description Section 508 Subcommittee. Um, outside of ACV, um, <laughs> I am very involved in work within my local community in DC. I've partnered with certain organizations for disability advocacy efforts, also just. Um, in terms of an, an advisory board that I'm on for one of the organizations locally here, I have also started partnering with certain causes in the local disability community related to different things that people are working on and that I've gotten involved with through local area blind individuals, friends slash ACB community, community members. And I say community in terms of the, the broader aspect of that word. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I also... I'm involved and very, very proud to be involved in Penny Forward, which is a nonprofit who is working to build accessible financial literacy education for mm-hmm. the blind and low vision community. Uh, I and I approached my friend who is the CEO of that company with one avenue of wanting to help. And then that blossomed into so many other things. And I could not be more grateful to my friend for recognizing my potential and what I could give to the organization, probably definitely before I did, and pushing me to do that. And so I now serve as the vice president of Penny Forward. And that in- involves a lot of things. We don't have time for all those things. Um, <laughs> but I just am involved in a lot of different things. I also, when I'm not doing all those things, which I don't know when that is, but when I'm not doing all those things, I really enjoy being active and getting out and doing things. That, that keep me active and healthy, like running and participating in other blind sports. And when I run, I do that with a human guide, uh, as well as with my guiding eyes running guide. You went through the running program? I did. 
Not initially, uh, but offline. after the fact. Yeah, after I, the fact. I, we have to talk offline. Um, so tell us about the actual, uh, you know, application interview, and then getting into convention process as a JP. The application process was very accessible and straightforward. I was not really sure I was going to apply. I just I had so many things that were currently going on. And I didn't know if if that was something I wanted to add to my plate, but I knew I wanted and needed to grow in my leadership capacity, both within the ACB organization, but also outside of it as well. And I thought that would be a really good experience to try for to be able to do that. And so that spurred me to submit my application. Also, I had friends encourage me as well um, and was able to uh, find uh, someone who I uh, was willing to write me a letter of recommendation through one of the affiliates that I'm involved with. And I appreciate that. And I applied and then I got the phone call, which I didn't initially answer because I was not at my phone at the time, but I saw that I received a voicemail. And so I called the person back and was told that I had received the JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow Award. And I was truly grateful and honored and as with my current job, this award is also bigger than me. I also mentioned that in my acceptance speech uh, at convention, but this award I feel is about every single one of us. And so I, it, it's, it's bigger than me. Uh, and then my, so I, I, in accepting the award, I was put in touch with the other award recipients. We had some initial pre-convention meetups on Zoom and then getting to convention actually went really smoothly. Uh, and then ar- arriving and, and meeting everyone went smoothly as well, which was a little surprising to me, given our current climate of travel and all that, especially yeah. with those of us who are who do travel with with guide dogs that that adds a little extra layer. It but sure it was does. All smooth. So what are some of the standouts from this year's convention for you? In general, just the in-person networking opportunities, I would say yeah. first and foremost, that is truly important and something that a virtual experience cannot provide. Uh, Putting faces to names and voices and having those genuine, authentic connections with people and asking maybe someone who you know knows someone else who you would like to meet, hey, would you mind putting me in touch with that person? And having that happen, that is truly amazing. Um, Another thing that wasn't specifically ACB related, but it was definitely a memorable thing for me, actually two related things, one of which was I uh, was able to record with the Penny Forward podcast team a live Penny Forward podcast. Yes. We do a podcast. Uh, but on site at the convention, we are going to do it in the fire pit, but then we decided we probably should do it outside of the fire pit. We, we did it in the vicinity of the fire pit, um, but we did that. And then also we went and attended a dinner where all of us on the podcast team and uh, fellow friends and supporters of Penny Forward got together and just saw each other sometimes for the first time. And sometimes for some of us for that was the first time in years that we had seen each other Um, and even exhibiting, I I helped Penny Forward exhibit and that was cool too. Uh, But just all all the things, there's just so many things, but really hands down, it was the in-person, in-person networking experience. Just whether that was in a meeting or even in the elevator or even in the dog relief area, (laughs) Uh, that 
was invaluable and you cannot and will never get that from a virtual experience the way you can in person. So where do people go to get more information on Penny Forward? And you oh. can shout Chris and Mo and the and the team. Okay. Out All right. Um, Bryn might know something about it too. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, so Penny Forward, to find out more about Penny Forward, anyone and everyone can go to pennyforward.com. You can also download the Penny Forward app. We do have an app in your app store of choice. And uh, you uh, can find out more about us actually by signing up as a guest member. We do have membership tiers, but our first tier of membership is as a guest. And you can sign up for a guest membership, which will give you access to a small sampling of the things that we offer. Uh, We are actually also offering for the next few months, starting tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern, I believe, uh, a monthly member meetup call for specifically those new members who have recently joined us. Uh, Most of you joined us. We doubled our membership at convention and it was awesome. And so, uh, but as a guest member, you are able to join us in in that membership. It's not just open to our paid member tiers. So just pennyforward.com, the app, uh, if you would like to reach us via email, you may do so at pennyforward at pennyforward.com and let us know how we can help you. I, I almost felt like I needed to play like the, the theme music for the podcast for you. This is to- the Penny Forward <laughs> podcast. Oh, no, it's not actually the Penny Forward podcast. Right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, stick around. Thank Hopefully you. There'll be some questions and congratulations for you. Kenneth, Thank who's you. up next? Okay. Can you hear me, Anthony? I can. Okay, very good. Okay, Cheryl Cummings would have been next uh, from Seattle, Washington, but she had another commitment, so we will have to get back with her another time. And, well, Cheryl uh, has taken over Sunday edition more often than I can think of, so I think folks have uh-huh. a good idea who she is, but she is absolutely fabulous. She is uh, currently chairing the uh, Multicultural Affairs Committee as well as a member of the BOP. She wears so many hats. She recently took a great position um, as workforce developer in Seattle at the Lighthouse. Uh, I could go on and on, but who's up next, Kenneth? Okay, let's talk to Terry Turlong from Louisville, Kentucky. Hi, Terry. <laughs> Welcome Hi. to Sunday Edition. Thank you very much. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Kenneth. Hi, everyone. Um, this is a real honor to be uh, a J.P. Morgan Chase Fellow and also to be on Sunday Edition. So, Terry, I'm going to ask you to start out the same way. Um, we already know where you're from, but tell us about your journey in ACB leadership and, and uh, the journey becoming and experiencing the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Program. Okay. Um, I had been involved. I had gone to several ACB conventions uh, just as a, an interested person back in 2000 and. Um, 1999. And then I began my position with American Printing House. And I felt like I had to kind of be a little bit step back. I either had to be a member of both organizations or a member of neither to kind of be neutral. Um, So I went to a number of ACP conventions representing APH and doing booth work and and presenting products and uh, also got to attend a lot of presentations that that I wanted to but um 
my real involvement in ACP started after I retired in 2016. And I went to a state convention that was held here. And it was it was marvelous. It was absolutely I, I it was incredible. So I thought, yeah, I got to do this. And I started being active in our Greater Louisville um, Council of the Blind Chapter. And then uh, I I said to somebody, I said, you know, I'm thinking of getting a little more involved. How would I do that? And Anthony, five minutes to the top of the hour. And you. can you also please make me host? Thank you. Mm -hmm. God, um, sorry. So then... Uh, <laughs> And fairly soon after that, I think the person that I said that to kind of left like, oh, you wanted something to do well, guess what? So I um, started joining a couple of committees. And at this point, I'm the uh, secretary of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. I'm the first vice president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. And I'm the president of Guide Dog Users of Kentucky, Anna. Uh, I'm the chairman, chairperson of the scholarship committee. And I'm seriously thinking uh, of dipping my toe a little deeper into the pool. I'm thinking seriously about applying for a board position with uh, Guide Dog Users Incorporated and also doing a couple of other things. So I realized this year that it would really benefit me to, um, oh, I forgot to say I chaired two, conv our, our last, not not this, the, not this year, but the uh, 21 and 22 state conventions where we did our first uh, virtual and then our first hybrid convention. So I, I realized I, I want to learn more. I've been doing, but, and there's a lot I know, but there's a whole heck of a lot that I don't know. And I've realized I really wanted to make some connections and learn more about leadership roles. So I applied for the J.P. Morgan Chase Fellow. I did not expect to receive it because my involvement has been relatively recent uh, in ACB. Uh, I was totally thrilled. I couldn't believe it. I was delighted when I learned that I had received the award. and. Um, uh, the the convention, I, I it was phenomenal. So I was wondering, um, you know, I was asking uh, Janae earlier, could you talk a little bit also about having had, you know, some experience within the organization, having had even some leadership experience, and then um, coming to J.P. Morgan, what um what surprised you about what you learned about the experience, and you know, for those out there that say to themselves. You know, I, I, I've already had positions. I've already been a leader. So this, they probably won't pick me. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. about that for us? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I know that no matter what I know, I can always learn three times more, five times more, and then five times more than that. There's so much knowledge and ability and capacity that a human being can can develop. Um, and I specifically learned some things about how to guide a group. Um, I, I have always felt a little hesitant 
like I'm not supposed to have a hopeful, hopefully preferred uh, outcome in mind if I'm sharing something. And I realized it's, I mean, it's fine to have an outcome in mind and to work toward that. Uh, as, and as long as, of course, you keep the uh, the process fluid and allow the input and changes that come from the consensus building and within the committee. But I really think I got more confidence in myself just to to have kind of a structure and an idea of how things might need to go. And I think in the past, I've been too worried about maybe hurting someone's feelings or uh, walking, you know, trampling someone's ideas. And I was real focused. And these are not bad things. Of course, I don't want to trample on people's ideas or anything like that. But um, the focus was, let's let the members all get their their say and we'll come to a consensus. And it's a little more now. I have the confidence to know that as a leader, I'm a big, a good chunk of that consensus. And I have the right to express concerns or ideas as I think they need to be expressed and then let that go into the mix. So I think that was a real benefit for me, confidence and trusting my own um, process and my own thoughts. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So what are you looking forward to in, in the future with your leadership path in ACB or, or in life itself? And, you know, this experience, what is it going to translate to for you going forward? Well, um, I, in, in ACB, um, I plan to get more active in GDUI leadership. I'm interested in BPI leadership uh, positions like, well, not leadership, but board type positions or com committee work. Um, and um, I'm also very drawn to the, and I'll get this name wrong, but the, um, the access committee that works on um, kinds of things that, that help us get accessible facilities for on the streets and um, when we're out and about. So I can think of a lot of ways I'd like to move in ACB. Um, I also, as, as, a, as a kind of personal goal, um, I plan to get out into the community more. Um, I am interested in a community center that's local, United Crescent Hill Ministries. They administer a lot of federal um, aid programs like food pantry and number a number of other things. And I'm, I'm interested in looking into that and starting volunteering there. I'm also thinking about, and it's not exactly related, but it came out of this convention. In the presentation by the Chicago Lighthouse, um, they have a call center for which they train and potentially hire people from out of state. And it would, I'm thinking seriously of contacting them for, they said that Mondays and Tuesdays are the busiest days in their call center and that they do take part-time people. And I'm, I'm working on the idea of applying for a two-day um, 
position and doing some part-time actual paid work. Do you do anything that typical retired people do? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't, th- I don't, you know, I don't know how I had time to work. That's what I say a lot. Um, I, I read a lot and sometimes I write, I'm, I, I have not published, but I have some short stories and poems. And, um, I also, um, like to walk. Uh, sadly, I like to eat, but I'm working on liking to eat a little bit less or (laughs) walking a little more eating a little less yeah there you go (laughs) i'm Um, right there with you in the struggle and i'm i am just enamored with with working with guide dogs i that's been a part of my life since i was 21 and i'm 71 now so god um, bless yeah so anyway um that's kind of where where it is so I hope you don't feel like I'm picking on you, but I, I think you offer an amazing perspective. Talk to us about your work-life balance. Um, are you, do you feel like you're in that yin-yang position? Um, did it take a long time to find it? and um, Or are you still finding it? <laughs> well, you know, I think I have, I have struggled with procrastination a lot. In my life, throughout my entire life, I'd put off something until I absolutely had to do it. And then I'd throw myself into it and it'd get done and usually done well. But I, I've i seen a change in that, but re- re- resulting from uh, some chunks of personal growth and self-discovery that, that, I've, that I've had in the last few years. And I'm finding that I'm not dreading these certain tasks as much and I'm just in doing them and enjoying doing them. So I'm finding I'm enjoying the work I do. So it really is almost, it's not all the way pleasure. Don't get me wrong, but, but there's a lot of pleasure in what I do. And I do take plenty of time for me. I read a lot. Um, I visit with friends a lot. I talk to friends a lot. Um, And so I think it's the balance. It's still getting better. But the change has been that I really am enjoying, not dreading the things I commit to do. That's that's beautiful. In an organization like ours, though, there's always something else to do. How are <laughs> yeah. you with saying no? And yeah, well, um, I have said no, and I can. Uh, that's also something that I've grown into. Um, I used to have trouble saying no to anybody about anything, whether it was you know about me or anything else but I do say no now and um I try to think carefully about what it is I'm agreeing to do before I do it I don't always manage that but but I I do try like I know that I will never never say never but to the best of my um prediction of the future in crystal ball uh, ability. <laughs> I doubt that I will ever chair another state convention. That is not something that is in my wheelhouse. Um, I I did it. I learned a lot from it, but I don't believe I'll ever do it again because there are things I do better and that are things that are much funner to do. That No, but that's a great. Thank you for, for sharing that because you know what? You can get something accomplished. You can get it done, but it doesn't add to 
it doesn't add to the positivity in your life for some reason. And, you know, and then you're asked to do it again and you did it well. So thank you for, thank you for highlighting that because I think we all need to remember that just because we do accomplish something, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the space and place that we can accomplish our best or derive our best feeling. So stick around, Terry. Uh, Hopefully there'll be some questions and congratulations from you for you from the audience. Uh, So folks, you can start getting those hands up. Um, Kenneth, who are we going to chat with next? Uh, We'll be talking to Melena Vanderwall from Caledonia, Michigan. (laughs) Welcome to Sunday Edition. Melena, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty good too. So same thing. Um, Tell us about your journey and uh, becoming part of the process. Where you're from and anything you think we need to know about you. All right. Um, As Kenneth said, I'm from Caledonia, Michigan, which is a little town outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, My very first ACB convention long before I joined was in 2000. And it was a it was a whirlwind of different experiences. I I roomed with four other people who um, I didn't know um, most of them. I knew one a little bit from talking on the phone, but I had never met any of these people except for one. Um, and so that that was a very interesting experience. Um, made a lot of great friends during that convention. Um, one of what a couple of which I still keep in touch with so that's great Um, and then I went to college in uh, 2004 I I transferred from Grand Rapids Community College to Eastern Michigan University where my my plan was to get my teaching degree and uh, teaching the visually impaired unfortunately didn't quite pan out so once I came home um, I kind of, you know, volunteered a lot at the Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired and got reconnected with some friends that I knew were in our local chapter of Visually Impaired Persons for Progress. That's our local chapter in my area to the Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. And in January of 2010, our current president, Casey Dutmer, finally had, I say this with love, badgered me enough. I said, okay, fine, Casey, <laughs> I'll join VIP. And so um, so I joined VIP. I had no intentions at that time of you know, participating much in any leadership role. But in 2011, I was approached by our then president um, of MCBVI, Joe Sibley, who sadly has passed away um, a couple of years ago, but um, he asked if I would be willing to be an assistant to our editor of our newsletter at that point. So I began uh, doing that and learned a lot from that experience. And once once the editor um, decided to step away from that position in 2018, I took over. Um, in 2012, I was also approached, um, to see if I had any interest in chairing our resolutions committee. And at that point I had no, no clue of what any, you know, I knew, I knew we did resolutions, 
but I didn't understand the process. I didn't understand the writing. <clears throat> Fortunately, though, I had a, a, a great committee that was going to be able to support me. So I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll try this and see what happens. In 2014, um, I had been elected to serve uh, as president beginning in 2015 of BIP. And I served two years, um, I'm sorry, I served four years as the president from 2015 through 2018. In 2020, I was appointed to fill the uh, secretarial position for MCBVI, or I'm sorry, assistant secretary, I jumped the gun, <laughs> assistant secretary. Um, and last year I was elected to the secretarial position for MCBVI. Um, I, within the last couple of years, I joined ACB Ohio and I'm on the board of directors planning on running for my second term. I serve on multiple committees for MCBVI and I serve on the newsletter committee and the matching grants committees for ACB Ohio. And so, um, I had planned a few years ago to apply for the Leadership Fellow Award. I knew I couldn't apply for the first timer because I'd already been to conventions, my last one being in 2012, again in Louisville. So, um, but I had some, I had some family things going on. My mom became ill and in February of 2021, she passed away. So, the time just wasn't right for me to leave. Um, I, I just, I needed to be in a better place emotionally. Yeah. So 2023 rolls around and I, <clears throat> I decided to apply, asked Casey Detmer, our president, to write me a recommendation letter, which he did. I filled out the application in full procrastination mode because I, filled it out at the last minute. Um, so when I did my interview, I had uh, Amanda Salm and Donna Browning um, interview me and I was quite nervous. They made me feel um, relaxed. And so, but I was totally stunned when I, when I got the initial phone call again, like others, um, when I got the phone call, I didn't recognize the number. I, I don't know many people in the Washington state area. And so I, I didn't think to answer when I checked my voicemail, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to call back. And so I, I called Deb Lewis back and she told me that I had won the leadership fellow award and I was super excited. I told my dad right away. I had to remind him what I had won. He had forgotten <laughs> a little bit. Um, I called Casey Dutmer, our president, called a couple other friends, um, and the rest is kind of history. I went to convention, had an amazing time meeting meeting people that I hadn't met before, um, some that I've only talked to on Zoom or by phone, and you know everyone else that has commented on the personal connections. It's absolutely right. You just can't get that at a virtual convention. And so it was totally an amazing experience and 
so glad that I chose 2023 to apply because it was it was the right year to do it. That's that's awesome. And, you know, I'm listening and I'm thinking to myself, as, as you were saying these last few comments, um, even with very careful and strategic planning, you still can't possibly do everything at convention. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that I had spent some time with every single JP Morgan and DKM and you know, being a convention um, program coordinator for BPI, as well as the other hats that I wear, I did not make that goal a com in completion, but um, you were one of the people that I wanted to spend more time with. So thank you so much for coming on to Sunday Edition. Um, I know one of your passions is voting. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of what you've accomplished um, voting-wise in, um, in your two affiliates? Sure. Um, so... Voting here in Michigan, for example, I've done a lot of work uh, with with our resolutions committee, um, both as chair and as a committee member. Um, we have worked, tried to work a lot with the Secretary of State and the Bureau of Elections uh, during from 2018 through 2020. Um, some things didn't quite go the way that we expected. Um, we do, however, now have accessible absentee ballot delivery through Democracy Live, which is fantastic. Um, we are still trying to work on figuring out a way that we can get a uh, return method, but that that's going to take a lot of work. Um, we just haven't quite figured out how we can go and get that accomplished just yet. We've also been trying to do some advocacy on the Dominion voting machine. Um, many of us here in Michigan don't find that system very user-friendly for a variety of reasons. I myself, the very first time I used it, for example, and just for a quick history, I did have sight as a child. Um, I I was visually impaired, but I I had vision in one eye, and so I do remember being able to read and write print with a CCTV, and you know I remember obviously seeing colors and you know all that kind of stuff. My vision was twenty two hundred um, for for context, and so one of the things that I struggled with when having a demonstration of the Dominion machine was all of the directions that, that were given. Um, they not only described the shape of the button, which is fine, but they also, so for example, one of the things that might be said was to select one, press the yellow X button or the, the blue down arrow button. And I'm like, okay, just give me one or the <laughs> And I found myself kind of trying to look at the keyboard, which is, you know, kind of stupid on my part, um, in a sense. But your brain remembers. I don't have any, yeah. Yeah, because I don't have any vision anyway, but I found myself looking for those colors. Uh, the other thing that I drastically struggled with, and even my dad noticed when I went to use the voting machine in one of the elections, was the, the speech. The speech was very difficult to understand. Yeah. 
you could not increase the volume. I couldn't increase the volume high enough to, uh, to you know, make it simple for me to vote. There were two different synthesizers being used. Um, and I knew my hearing impaired uh, friends who also have vision loss would, would greatly struggle with this device. So we're working on those types of things. Um, and so we've reached out to some, I've reached out to Ohio a little bit to see if anyone um, in Ohio has used it and gotten a little bit of feedback and which has been great. And so those are, those are some of the things that we're working on in Michigan with voting. So my last question for you, and hopefully I of course stick around, but um, let's, Share with us what were your expectations of the J.P. Morgan Fellowship Program and what matched and what might not have matched? Um, to be honest, I, I wasn't really sure I had a whole lot of expectations. I, <coughs> I wasn't quite sure. You know, once I found out I got the award, um, I knew we'd have a few meet and greets on Zoom where we, you know, talked with Kenneth and got to know each other a little bit. Um, but I think once, you know, once we got to convention and it, it took a little bit of time for some of us to hang out a little bit, but, you know, once, once we did that, I'm like, these are really cool people. <laughs> and so I think it's just, it's just being able to, to get to spend time with people and, um, so I, that definitely uh, was a was a big bonus. Um, what didn't match maybe was, and this was definitely a failure on my part. Um, I didn't realize until the very end, uh, two days prior to convention, that I had a mentor <laughs> in the program. Um, oh boy. And, until until I got an email from my mentor uh, saying that I hadn't contacted them. And, um, but, but again, I was like, well, I don't understand why this person was contacting me. And cause I thought I had been so good about finding all the emails from Kenneth. So I looked one more time and yep, sure enough, I missed one from May 25th. So um, that was a little disappointing for me, but not because of anything anyone else did. It was just because I missed a piece of information and I could have utilized my mentor more if, if I had seen that email. All right. Thank you. So stick around. Um, we're also going to get to the quotes. I forgot to mention that before we started talking to everybody individually, before we take questions and answers from our audience, we're going to go through some inspirational quotes that uh, you all brought. Kenneth, who are we going to talk to now? We have one guy that is has the only guy that received the award this year, but he has been shining, and his name is Benjamin Wright from Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, you beautiful people. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to Sunday Edition. Same thing, men. Um, give us some information about your journey, about the journey for J.P. Morgan Chase, and anything we should know about you. Ben? All right. That's, that's a loaded question there, but I think I can try to do it some justice for you. Family friendly. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I was 
I was born blind. I was born in the Philippines, um, and I was adopted when I was three years old. I lived in an orphanage for the first three years of my life, and then I, I was adopted by sighted parents. And had I was a lot of my friends that I had were all sighted. My parents and my teachers pushed me to be like everybody else. To um, so I was always always I was always held to the same expectations as everybody at home and in school. So I guess I really knew it. I didn't really know anything different. You know, I was always just like everybody else. I mean, I didn't really know very many blind people, maybe a couple, but not very many. So I didn't really know what it was like to be around other blind folks. I always assumed that everybody was knew what I knew about Braille and about um, life and how to do things. But um, as time went on, I got to meet more folks and I've, I've been to school, I've been to college, I have a degree in family and consumer sciences with a concentration in family services. Um, I've been able to use my degree um, some, but not in all the jobs I've had. I've, I've had jobs at the Kentucky School for the Blind where I got to meet other blind kids, other kids, meet kids who were, students who were blind, working with them. And in, in my work with them, I realized that I guess not everybody else had the same background I did, or they have other disabilities that prevent them from learning as well as I had to learn. So it was a real eye-opening experience to learn that not everybody's not like me. Everybody has to do things a different way. So let's get to where, um, let's jump over to um, my family. I have a wife and daughter, which I'm kind of sad because they're all hanging out right now and I'm having to be on this show um, <laughs> with you all. But um We'll get to see them after in, in a little bit. Um, but I have a wife and daughter. We, Her name is McKinley, and my daughter's name is Hadassah. My daughter is 15 months old. She's the pride and joy of everything right now. And along with my wife, um, she, um, she makes me happy and is teaching me a lot about herself. And I'm learning through how to take care of her as a blind daddy. So, And I think she's really liking having me around, too. So is my wife. But... Um, Let's get into what you really want to know about, about my involvement in ACB and all. So, um, I, of course, like everybody, most folks, I came from the National Federation of the Blind. Um, I thought they were the one organization that was you had to join. I didn't even know about ACB until I moved to Louisville, Kentucky in 2010. Um, I was riding in their paratransit van, and I met someone on in there named Bill Wright. Um, and he told me about the GLCB. I'm like, what's the GLCB? He's like, it's the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. I'm like, what's the Council of the Blind? And he told me about it's an organization for for blind folks, like a, like the NFB, but a little bit more laid back, a little more um, conservative, if you will. So I went to my first um, ACB or GLCB meeting, excuse me, in 2010. I, I, it was Saturday, September 11th of 2010. It was my it was held at the Kentucky School for the Blind in their cafeteria, and we had a cookout for the fall. And I went there just looking to see what it was all about. And, of course, I met Carla Rushable and a guy named Jim Shaw, who was the treasurer of AC of, of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. And I think he was the Kentucky of the treasurer of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. And I met him, and I met Carla, and I, all the folks. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think I can fit in quite nicely here. And, of course, a lot of folks said I was the youngest person to ever walk through the door of their of that group so of that meeting so of course i stuck around and 
I I paid my dues and um, I was on their board. I was on the Greater Louisville Council of Wine Board as a director. And then I did I did that for a couple of years. And then in 2014, it was a, a vision of one Patty Cox who decided to um, start, start an organization for younger members. We we all she called us over to her house on Saturday, June the 28th, 2014. We had a cookout on her deck, nice, juicy hamburgers and hot dogs there. And we all sat down and, and talked about what it would be like to be a, have a group for younger folks for us to join. And after that meeting, I, I kind of wondered what would happen, what's going to happen next? Or I mean, and we've had we've had calls and we talked about it and we decided that we wanted to become a member, become a chapter of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. So we all got together again at Natalie Couch's condo, which she just purchased on. <laughs> it was a Friday night. I think it was Friday, October the 20th, 2014. And we all started to go through the process of electing our board and writing our constitution for so that we can present it to the Kentucky Council of Blind Board for our charter. So we did that. And we, I got elected to be secretary of that or, of the organization. So I was a founding member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation. So in the in the next month, we got our charter, and we've been a pretty strong um, chapter of the Kentucky Council of Blind since then. But um, I've served as their secretary and their president for many years. But then I do. To apply to when I heard about the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows, I've heard about it for a while. I didn't really know too much about it, and I knew that some people from Kentucky have won that award. Amanda Selm has won it. Um, mm -hmm. Natalie Couch has won it. Um, Debbie Dethridge has won it. A lot of folks from Kentucky, and now myself and Terry Turlaw have won the award, and we're so excited to win the award. I thought the application process was pretty smooth. I filled out the Google form, answered all the questions, and got Matt Selm, our state president, to write me a letter of recommendation. Like Malena, I waited till the last minute to do that. So of course, let's see, like it's my thing lately with having to raise a daughter and raise a family. But um, um, I got that submitted, and a few days later, I got a call from Ken to set up my interview. So I got the information for my interview, and I had Mel Melanie Sanoe, Zelda Gephardt, and Betsy Grinovich on my interview team. And we sat down, and we had a very informal conversation about my leadership strengths and what I want to do through ACB. And I didn't think anything of it after the interview was over. And then, like, I guess a week later, I get a call from Deb Cook-Lewis. I was shopping at Walmart with my wife and daughter to get some stuff <laughs> that we needed. So... I get a call from a 206 area code. I'm like, I'm not going to answer this call. But then I decided to answer it. And Deb Lewis gets on the phone. I was like, is this Benjamin Wright? I'm like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, what's up is that you just, I'm calling to tell you that you won the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award. Of course, in Walmart, I get all excited. I'm sure the shoppers around me are like, who is that crazy dude getting excited over some on the phone? So I, would, I, of course, I got off the phone with her and I called Carla. I called Amanda. I called everybody most folks that i knew through um kcb and of course they i didn't tell very many people that i got the that i had even put my application in because 
I didn't want to jinx it and be like, if I don't get it, what's, I'm going to have to tell everybody I didn't get the award. So I didn't, I kept it to myself until I actually knew I won the award. So we all get together on our, on the phone to have our um, meet and greets and things like that. And then I got to sign my mentor named Anthony Akamini. And of course, Anthony has always been in touch with me. I called him right the day Kenneth sent the email, which was the Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. Of course, I get the email. I call him up. I put his number in my phone. And of course, I knew he was from Hawaii. And I asked him, will it charge me long distance to talk to you on from Hawaii? He's like, no, no, it won't charge you at all because because we're still in the United States. I'm like, so we had a good conversation. And thanks to Anthony, he sort of checked up on me and guided me along the way. And even when we got to convention, he was making sure I got what I needed, making sure that I was safe and happy for my wife's instructions because I was away from her in Chicago and all that. So I think that's pretty much it. I know I've talked a while, but now you can ask me anything you want. Well, <clears throat> first of all, thank you to your wife and daughter for giving you up for a week or, or seven days, eight days, however long you were there. Um, talk to us a little bit about work-life balance as a new dad, um, well, leadership balance as a new dad. Right now, um, I'm, I also serve on the board of the KCB board of, as a director. Those meetings are once a month and I'm able to do what I have to do there and then spend time with my wife and daughter. I'm hoping that I can get involved more with ACB as in KCB as time goes on, especially, um, I'm hoping I can get on the audio description project um, committees and hoping to get audio description to other places. But I think with those, I, I think I might be able to carve out some time to to do those and be able to be a good dad. Right now I'm working at, for the summer, I work at Holiday World and Splash and Safari, which is a theme park in Santa Claus, Indiana. And it's it's hard right now because i work so much there but it's starting to slow down as the season's coming to an end now i'm just working weekends so in the past i've been working long days so it's i come home tired so it's really really hard for me to really want to do anything on my days off because all i want to do is rest but my wife and daughter want me to hang out with them and of course um today's sunday and it's usually family day so i'm I'm missing out on that right now, but like I said, I can, I, I can join them after this show is over. So, I mean, I'm, it's sometimes I wonder if I'm doing enough to spend time with my wife and daughter. And I wonder if I'm being a good dad because I'm doing so much with work and with ACB and stuff in KCB right now. Not, I haven't gotten to do much with ACB, but I hope I can do that more soon, but I, I just hope I can find that balance it's always hard for me to say no to stuff too. That's always a hard part, hard thing to do. I, I, I read a poll once that that is the, um, that is the least favorable and the hardest leadership skill to master or perfect is, is saying no. So don't feel bad, my friend. Um, point of personal privilege. I am going to bother you in about a month and a half or so. I, I've wanted for a while to put together a Sunday edition about, um, you know, the Kentucky Next Generation affiliate and get Carla and some of the seasoned folks and, and get the perspective from both sides and hopefully inspire some other states to really set in motion uh, in Florida. We're working on electric youth, but, you know, 
set in motion an affiliate structure like that or or some way to outreach to the younger members with passion and with energy that sometimes feel overlooked or lost in the shuffle. Um, but let's get you back to your, your wife and baby. Why don't you give us your quote now so you can go and spend that quality time? Um, my quote um, is, is, of course, I'm a Christian and I hope Absolutely. I can say this quote on, on the radio with mixed, um, but my quote is from the Bible. It's, ver, um, it's so from the book of Jeremiah, um, chapter 29, verse 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Thank you for sharing that and, and make that little girl giggle for all of us. Have a great rest of your Sunday. All right. I will hope. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you. All right. I'll be reaching out soon. Talk to Carla when you get a chance. Um, I sure will. Kenneth, that was, that was everyone that's here today, correct? Yes. That's All everyone. Right. Now, right. hey, Anthony, uh, yes. if you want to, uh, Sarah Freeman Smith is here and she was one of our recipients that came this year to convention, but she was a recipient yes. from 2020. I don't know if you wanted to say hello or anything. Sure. Step on up, say hello. You might have to hit the got it button. All right. In the meantime, folks, you can start getting those hands up. Um, we will see if Sarah gets an opportunity to unmute. Um, let's go one by one in the same order with uh, with our Hi quotes. There. Oh, hey, Sarah. Hey, how are you? I am doing well. How are everyone doing? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to answer for everyone. They're on Sunday edition, so they're doing great. Oh, um, fantastic. Tell us a little about yourself and where you're from and your journey. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible since I didn't plan to do this, but uh, <laughs> I am uh, from uh, Houston, Texas. I'm a native Houstonian, and um, I am uh, currently uh, employed. I have a strong background being in human resources on the recruiting side, love helping people find jobs and the right opportunities for them, because oftentimes, as we know, we can get a job, but it just doesn't feel right because that's really not, you know, what our, our purpose and our calling is to do. So I've always done that. And I currently work for a career management firm, uh, helping a little bit in HR and quality assurance. But um, my journey, um, I guess, just started from when I started losing my vision, maybe about 15, 20 years ago, was in corporate, you know, uh, life uh, was road warrior, had you know, direct reports all over the country, but recognized I was starting to lose my vision and finally went and ultimately discovered that they really didn't have an answer for why my vision was rapidly diminishing. And ultimately, I guess it took about 10 years before it was determined I had an autoimmune condition. So it was genetic. So, and unfortunately it uh, was uh, destroying my retina and there was no uh, cure. So as my ophthalmologist put it, they are just trying to stop the train wreck. And I'm just so grateful for, you know, the limited vision that I do have. But that caused me, you know, to kind of sit and like many, many other people, you want to have that pity party. Oh, my God. You know, I had I was married. I, I'm still married uh, over 40 years, have a son, very active in the community, did a lot of speaking, uh, was just, you know, thinking I'm, I'm on the road to, uh, you know, getting to Fortune 500 on the cover and all of that. And now I come to an abrupt start. 
what am I going to do? And it took me, you know, about a year to get off that pity party, you know, couch and say, hey, it's time that uh, you have to recognize it's not about why me, not why not you. So uh, others are uh, thriving and surviving. And so can you. So that's when I started getting involved in some of the support uh, groups and organizations here in the Houston area and was very, very fortunate to um, to meet Michael and Peggy Garrett actually at a at a transportation meeting many, many, many years ago and learned about um, ACB in Houston Council of the Blind and um, decided to join and uh, immediately got involved. So um, I just love just being able to help people and especially my passion is from employment. So I was uh, fortunate to apply the year of the pandemic for, you know, the DKM um, scholarship and uh, won that and learned about the employment committee and uh, said, oh, I think I found my home. So Mm -hmm. immediately was able to, um, you know, get a part of that committee uh, committee and and start uh, trying to do things for our community. And so, so far we've been, been very successful and we've got a lot of things in store uh, that we'd like to uh, continue to do. So that's a really brief synopsis because even though I won mine in 2020, I was blessed uh, by ACB to uh, be able to participate in person in Schaumburg. And oh my gosh, that that was just life-changing to be able to meet others uh, face-to-face that I talked to, you know, and, 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 and worked with uh, over the years uh, from a virtual perspective. So, but more importantly, learning the things that I did by attending the sessions and things like that, and just meeting people all over the country. Uh, I, I just, uh, I, it is, it was life-changing and, and I am so, so thankful. And I would definitely be remiss uh, if I did not stop and say, a major, major super thank you to um, the, uh, the DKM and Leadership Scholarship Committee for all the hard work, because I know it's a lot of work behind the scenes to, to go through all of the applications and to narrow it down. So very, very thankful for all of the hard work they do. But more importantly, they made that um, trip so seamless. I mean, everything yeah, yeah. that one could possibly think and ask, they already had it. And it was like, okay, here you go. I mean, every, and I'm known as a Columbo. I got a lot of questions and I have to say two thumbs up and a toe. They thought of every possible question and had an answer. And uh, I I was very appreciative of that and and definitely uh, appreciate uh, meeting the two DKM uh, individuals and having the opportunity to introduce them. I think that we uh, definitely will continue and I definitely know I look forward to uh, working with all of the uh, others and and kudos to every last one of this year's recipients, uh, JP Morgan as well. So awesome and impressive backgrounds to each and every one. And and obviously we all are gonna continue to do great things. And uh, I will pray that we will still be a continued blessing to others. So that's a little bit about me. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for stepping up on the spot. Really appreciate it. Let's go back to those DKM ladies and let's hear your quotes. Who wants to go first? I can go first. All right, Janae, go ahead. Mine is a Bible verse as well. It's um, Hebrews 11 and 1. Uh, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And that's kind of how I've lived my life for the last 20 or so years. And that's why I try to teach people even if you are not in a religious or religious or a faith tradition, 
having hope and just believing that something is waiting for you or that if you put good energy into something, it will come to you is what is important. Absolutely. Even if it doesn't come in the form that you asked for, sometimes it comes in a form that was what you need much more than what you wanted. Oh, all right. Go ahead, honey. Yes, this is Gemma Ceniceros. Yes, go ahead, Hannah. Okay. I want to apologize in advance. As many of you have noticed, my accent, English is not my primary language, but I wrote a little something. Me just a second. God has always been there. When my eyes start darkened, he was my light. When my strength when my strength strength was exhausted he took me by the hand he has opened many doors and i know that with him everything is possible there's no more darkness nor weakness not nor uncertainty in my path beautiful thank you so much that is beautiful all right, let's talk to our JP Morgan Leadership Fellows. Who wants to unmute and go first? <laughs> this is Liz. Molly and I'll do it. Uh, all <laughs> right, one of them. You can go first, Liz, if you want. No, go first. You're good. Okay. Um, Hema, I just want to say that was beautiful. Um, my Thank quote you. is from Helen Keller. And it is the best and the most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. Um, and I actually I think I missed some of that. Um, ah, shoot. You can start over. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I had it memorized. I did. <laughs> um, why don't, why don't come back to me please and um all right Liz. And i'll say it again real quick <laughs> sure my quote is every answer asks a more beautiful question and that quote is from e.e e. cummings who was an author essayist painter poet and playwright so apparently he did all things too uh, <laughs> but that is my quote and i really like it because it speaks volumes to the fact that if we want to, we can always keep learning and we might get an answer, but then that answer will open up other questions. questions. And so yeah. it's just, I, that quote is to me very, very beautiful. So I share it with all of you. So thank you. Keep getting answers and keep asking questions. <laughs> yeah. Milena, you want to try again? Okay. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> okay. So this is from Helen Keller again. The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt by the heart. Beautiful. Thank you. Terry, okay. uh, Kentucky's up. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. This is a little long, but it's um, oh, there are two pieces to it. In our every deliberation, we must consider the impact of our decisions on the next seven generations. And this is from the great law of the Iroquois 
confederacy. And then this we know, the earth does not belong to us. We belong to the earth. All things are connected like the blood that unites us all. We did not weave the web of life. We are merely strands in it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. And this was inspired by the words of Chief Seattle. Beautiful. And I, I like that because it really, it in everything we do, we impact ourselves and others. And that's in a group that's really focused on um, improving things for people with visual impairments. Whatever we do, it isn't just for them or us, but for, for all. Yeah. Thank you. I'm often reminded of the fact that, you know, for each one of us that is an ACB or an FB member, there's at least 10 that are not associated with any organization. So some of what we do is for our brothers, sisters, and non-binary siblings that aren't associated with an organization. Great quotes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, point of privilege. I love being able to throw this out. And, and this is from my father. Um, people, places, or situations can invite you to feel any certain way. You and you alone choose whether to accept or decline those inv invitations. Mm. And uh, that's been a powerful, powerful motivator in my life. So let's hear some congratulations um, or questions. And if you have a question, I'm going to ask that you try to keep it brief. Diane, how many hands do we have and who's up first? And uh, Clubhouse, you'll break in and let us know if you have anyone there too as well. We have two hands. All right. And first is Greg Wansmeter. Ah, Triple G, welcome back, bro. Good morning. Good afternoon. Um, so my question for you guys, first of all, congratulations to all of you. Well-deserved as a former DKM recipient. What's something you want to learn more about this organization this year? Because leaders are learners. So what's something that you want to learn more about ACB or that you are wanting more information about? And how do you ex plan to use that in your leadership? Awesome, Greg. Thank you. So let's let's go backwards. Terry, you can go first. Terry. Thank you. <laughs> I hope go. I'm unmuted now. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to learn more about the overall structure and that of ACB in terms of how its board works, how decisions are made. Uh, I need a better template to bring back to what I do. Um, one example, I learned that ACB uses Dropbox for a lot of its, for a lot of the materials that it wants various committees or people to be able to, to access and share. And that Dropbox is a secure enough venue for them. So if it's secure enough for ACB, it's going to be secure enough for KCB to use for our documentation. Awesome. Melina? Um, well, let me think. Um, well, I, I would like to learn a little bit more about some of the ACB committees. I, um, I need to look at, look at some of them and see which ones I'd like to serve on. Um, but one of the, one of the ones that I am considering 
is possibly um, seeing if I might be able to join the ACB Walk Committee. I've been participating with the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk for the last uh, three years. And um, Michigan's done done well um, with it. And I'd like to just find out more about how that committee works and how they, how they plan for it and how we can better utilize what they do for the walk and you know put it put it to good use for Michigan. I think that's a great committee to go on because you'll learn a lot. Those folks get a lot accomplished. Shout out to uh, Donna Brown and all of our um, walk uh, <laughs> superstars. They they get the job done every year. All right, um, Liz. I would like to explore the idea of different affiliates whether it be state chapters uh, or, and or special interest affiliates working together and collaborating. We all have our own local things that we're doing, but what one affiliate might be doing, another affiliate might be doing a similar thing. And we there's, no, there's hardly enough time to do what we want to do as it is, right? And I am all about working- Coalition building. Working smarter, not yeah. harder. And so I, I think that collaboration is good for all of us. And, I, and in doing that and exploring that, I, I know, I don't know, I, I don't know that I can quantify what, what learning will come from that of both myself and, and those of us who would be collaborating, but learning would definitely come from that. And I, I mean, I've heard it all the time where I, I'm heard from affiliates who say, oh, I'm, I'm planning this event and another affiliate that I have heard about is also planning a similar event. So why not collaborate and using community? And this time I do mean the virtual ACB community as a platform to Absolutely. leverage some of what we're doing and making it available to more of our, our members. But also in that though, not forgetting that there is a local grassroots effort to advocacy and just our communities in general. So I also am worried sometimes that the virtual may may overtake the, the non-virtual, yeah. but I don't want that also. So uh, uh, yeah, it's all the things, I guess, is what I want to learn. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my answer. That's awesome. And balance, definitely balance is, you know. Absolutely. Balance, yes, yes. Continued balance. All right, Hema. Uh, I am pretty new to blindness and pretty new to ACB. And right now I'm learning so much. And I know there's a lot out there for me to explore and learn. So I can't really think of anything. I'm still learning a lot. Well, we are so glad that you're learning and so glad that you are a part of our community. All right, Janae. Um, I want to learn more about Things like the Multicultural Committee and what they're doing and, and is their work making an impact at all in ACB? Same thing with uh, Next Generation, what they're doing and is that is what they're doing making an impact and making any making the needle move? And I just recently learned about the Sight and Sound Committee, I think it's called. It's for those. Sight and Sound are, Impaired, yes. yes. And so I want to know more about them and what they're doing and, and how that uh is playing a role because we have all these special interest affiliates and committees, 
but are they make, moving the needle and is leadership paying attention to what they're doing and, and incorporating what they're doing into what ACB does and how we are advocating for what we all need in society and in such? Well, you and I need to talk offline, too, because that sounds like an awesome Sunday edition topic that we could spend two hours on. All right, Diane, who is our other hand? By the way, we have five minutes and let uh, Natalie Couch is next. Ah, Natalie, welcome back. <laughs> All right. Good afternoon, everyone. And I will be brief. Um, I don't have any questions because I don't like to put people on the spot. So um, I just wanted to come in and say as a former um, DKM committee member, because I have to be former because I took a job with ACB. So, but um, I just want to come in and say that um, it was a honor and privilege to get to interview those of you that I got to interview. And for those of you that I didn't, it was really awesome to um, hear your interviews and you are all going to do great things. And I just want to come in and say congratulations and continue to keep doing those great things. Thank you. Well Thank you, Natalie, uh, one of our J.P. Morgan shining stars. All We are all, I, I myself am a former, Brent is a former. Um, we're all superstars in our own right, but we were so happy to hear that announcement when it came out that you were the new Colby. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and you're doing a great job so far. So thank you for coming to Sunday Edition and, uh, and congratulating all of our folks here. All right, Kenneth, thank you so much for organizing all of this. Uh, for those of you who have not had a DKM or JP Morgan experience, you all have to know that this man and his committee, um, many have said it today already. They've said it on past Sunday editions. But there is not a question that is not answered at some point within the process. Usually it's in a document, but if you overlook it, as I know I did, and probably every single one overlooks something at some point, Kenneth is always there answering emails, answering phone calls, making sure that we all have the best leadership experience we can possibly have, not only during convention, but throughout the year and beyond. Um, there's the Leadership Select Society and the email lists. So um, just real quick, everybody shout out as loud as you can, Kenneth and the committee. A big Thank welcome. you, Kenneth. Thank you, DKM <laughs> committee. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you to the whole team. Thank you all for being here today. Um, I feel so privileged to be able to spend a little time with you today. Let me get a little bit of housekeeping out there. The Sunday edition book club, uh, our second meeting um, on the book, A Wind in the Door, will be this Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Um, and uh, I am really excited to, to delve into that conversation. So if you were a part of the first book, uh, first club, it was The Wrinkle in Time. But um, you do not have to have read that book to enjoy a wind in the door. The DB number is in the promo that I put out. I'll put another one out tomorrow to remind everybody. Um, next week, Martine Abel Williams, the president of the World Blind Union um, exclusive Sunday edition here, her first. And um, <laughs> it's going to be a fun, interesting interview. Uh, Bryn and I got to know Martine a little bit at convention, and I'm so glad she will be up at four o'clock in the morning, New Zealand time to be able to participate with us. So folks, bring some good questions. Again, if you have announcements that you'd like on Sunday edition, please reach out at Sunday edition AC at gmail.com. 
Bryn, thank you, of course, for um, always taking the controls. Diane, thank you for being here. And Jane, for being our Clubhouse Connector. Everybody have a beautiful Sunday, and we'll be back next week with Martine. Goodbye, everybody. Awesome. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream One. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays. And you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.